know, as much as as grammar and vocabulary is important, um, you don't have to be wildly proficient to be able to access little pieces that give you an entry into the language. And I think that spending time in conversation hour, in, in tutoring, in office hours um, can really help students access those levels of proficiency that allow them to interact in the language. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language, staff and students from Cornell's Learning Strategies Center discuss their growing language tutoring program and its value to the Cornell community. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Jennifer Boker-Smith, Bianca Lewis, and Ariana Croesi are joining us for today's episode. They work in Cornell's Learning Strategies Center and recently collaborated with us at the LRC in expanding language tutoring for our undergraduates. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Jen, Bianca, and Ariana. Thank you. Before we learn more about language tutoring and what the Learning Strategy Center here at Cornell does, can each of you give us a brief introduction of who you are, your background, and your experiences with languages? Jen, why don't you start? Sure. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us on today. Um, so my name's Jen Bokersmith. I'm the Senior Associate Director at the Learning Strategy Center, and I, I work in all different aspects of academic support. Um, my personal introduction to languages um, came pretty early on um, in my life as a young child. My, my father um, was born in Tunisia and my mother is American um, but speaks French. Um, and when I was a little kid, they, they, they didn't uh, speak French to me as a child, but they used to fight in French. So <laughs> I, so I learned, um, you know, to understand a lot more than I speak speak pretty, pretty early. Um, yeah. and I also have, a had a Tunisian grandmother growing up who, um, who's, whose first language was Ladino, which is, a, a ancient Judeo, um, Spanish. And, and so, so she spoke Ladino, but, um, also French, Hebrew, Arabic, um, a lot of a lot of different um, a lot of different languages and and I and I used to hear um, my father's family talking to each other, sort of cycling through different languages and using different languages for um, different kinds of conversations. Um, they, when my father was with his big extended family, um, so I I, I learned that um, you know, multilingual families use different languages in um, in different context. I also learned that um, my Tunisian grandma was always embarrassing me because she was always saying things like when I was in high school, she was always saying things about my friends um, in in sort of French, but uh, that were like really obvious um, to my friends. Like, she's so fat. It's no good. It's no good. And, and she would sort of, you know, she would say these things like as though my friends could understand. <laughs> but the way she spoke them, it was really clear what she was saying, whether you understood the language or not. So, um, so I learned a lot too about um, understanding uh, languages and under, understanding um, the meaning of what someone is saying. Uh, 
no matter what language they're speaking. Yeah. Awesome. Ariana, what about you? I also had really early experiences with languages uh, as my Italian grandmother does not speak English. And for most of my life, we grew up in the same house. So she only speaks uh, a dialect of Italian called Calabrese. So it's very different from standard Italian. It's very similar to Spanish, actually. And now I'm realizing Portuguese as well. Hmm. So uh, it's also really interesting to have that experience at home because our primary language is still English. That's what I speak with my mom and my sister. But when we talked with my grandma, we have to speak with her in our dialect. Uh, and because she's lived in the United States for over 60 years without speaking English, but she's really absorbed a lot of funny expressions, like idiomatic things and words. And that's what she'll she'll try to use them when she wants to be sarcastic mm-hmm. and funny. Um, so... I had that experience at home, and a lot of my family still lives in Italy, mm-hmm. but no longer only in the South. So I wanted to learn standard Italian so I could read and write, and I already felt like I had such an advantage at, from home. Sure, It was an obstacle because there are so many differences, and it's hard to build up that confidence of knowing what are the right words in the right version of mm-hmm. the language. and. I really like being able to communicate with my family there. I have a much better relationship with them since I, you know, am able to like text mm-hmm. and write emails with them. And then I studied Spanish in high school, but I did not really continue it. Uh, it ended up helping me when I decided to learn Portuguese a few months ago. And I'm also a German studies major. Wow. And uh, last fall, I also started taking beginning Russian, so I'm in my second semester of beginning <laughs> Russian, uh, and it's, it is very challenging for me because it's so different um, yeah. from any of the other languages that I know, but I was really excited to to get to know another family of languages. Awesome. Bianca, what about you? Yeah, similar to both Jen and Ariana, I also had exposure to different languages growing up, which mainly came from my mom's side of the family. She grew up in Puerto Rico to Cuban parents who also had a Spanish background. So I grew up speaking Spanish with my mom at home and then spoke English with my mom also speaks English. So I spoke English with my dad and my mom. But when it was just speaking to my mom, I was always speaking Spanish and she wanted to make sure that I would be able to speak Spanish. So this was one of her primary focuses when raising me was teaching me Spanish. And then also I had private tutoring to ensure I was learning all the grammar as I was growing up. Um, And then I have continued this. I did independent study in high school and continued Spanish classes at Cornell and and pursuing the Spanish minor right now. So Mm -hmm. I think it was really important that growing up, I had this exposure and I was Mm -hmm. lucky that my mom Mm -hmm. really gave me the opportunity to learn the language. I know a lot of speakers who maybe their parents speak an extra language um, may not have that chance to really fully engage with the language. So I'm really glad that she made this a, a priority for me growing up because I've learned a lot from being able to communicate with that side of the family. Also, I love visiting Puerto Rico. Um, We don't have a lot of family there anymore, but just being able to engage with my mom's side of the family and also my mom's friends from high school and being able to understand the culture as well. I think it's had a really strong impact on how I've been able to engage with the Puerto Rican culture growing up and have that side even growing up in Colorado. So that's my experience with language. That's awesome. Oh man, I really wish that my parents were not so busy fighting in French and had taken time to teach me well instead. 
<laughs> I feel like that that might apply regardless of the language they were fighting in. So. Not speaking from experience or anything. Uh, so, Jen, as Senior Associate Director of the Learning Strategies Center, you coordinate all things tutoring. The LSC has a robust tutoring program and just a few years ago added romance languages to the mix. How did this addition come about? So this came about with um, Mary Kay on the, with, from the Romance Language Department. A couple of different pieces fell into place. Um, one was that we had an amazing um, Learning Strategy Center chemistry tutor who was also um, a Spanish major and also minored in Italian um, and was really close with Mary Kay through all of his work in languages. And, and he was a very um, a well-trained and established tutor. Um, and so I think that they uh, really came up with the idea of, you know, how could we get the Learning Strategy Center involved in giving students a place to, um, to practice languages in a, in a, environment that feels like really safe and low stakes. One of the great benefits of a peer tutoring environment is that um, even though we as instructors want students to be able to come to our office hours and just ask us anything and be comfortable, we know that many students are more comfortable talking with peers. Yeah. Um, it, can, it can feel like a, a, um, an easier on-ramp for students to talk with peers. It can be more comforting and, and um, it's really important for peers to make those connections with each other too. So our hope is that you know students will go to instructor office hours um, and also peer tutoring. They serve different purposes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and they can be really complementary when you know when when each is done um, done well and integrated. Yep. So so um, MK had you know came, came to us and and we. We came up with a, a pilot program in the in the Romance languages, and it was um, sort of slow to build. Then the pandemic happened, and um, across the board, everybody was just sort of regrouping. Um, but but in the fall, um, we called the fall twenty twenty semester online on purpose, where you no, know, we knew we were going to be online, and and we were really working on ways to. Um, to continue to engage students and to make sure that students continue to have opportunities to stay connected to Cornell, to each other, um, to the, to the work that they were doing, but also to other humans, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even online. And so we were thrilled, um, when the language resource center, uh, came to the learning strategy center and, and wanted to talk about expanding which languages we offer support for. I think this is a time right now where we want to be, um, we really want to be meeting students where they're at and mm-hmm. offering students all the supports that that they might need as they're navigating this really, really challenging time. Yeah. So Ariana and Bianca, you have been tutors in Italian and Spanish at the Learning Strategy Center for a few semesters now. Why did you decide to participate initially as a tutor and what does it mean to you to be a tutor? Ariana, do you want to start talking a little bit about your Italian experience? Sure. So I was recommended by, by my professor at the time to be part of the pilot program. So I was really excited about the opportunity. And 
uh, you know, language is really important to me, and uh, I wanted to be able to help other students, uh, especially in creating this program, which I'm not happy to see, has a lot more languages. Now I love seeing students who come in or who have come in in the past for different languages, and now they're able to get tutoring in, in newer languages that they're learning. Uh, and I had experienced tutoring in high school, uh, actually in Italian. Mm-hmm. In my high school, we had this thing where uh, the teachers could pair older students with younger students for tutoring. So I already had this experience mm-hmm. uh, in tutoring beginning Italian. And even though it's a language that I'm very comfortable speaking, like I mentioned before, I still had this hurdle. So I still have the uh, that experience of really having to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's helpful to students to learn with someone who has studied, but who also has a lot of knowledge about the language and culture and who has a good sense of, you know, what sounds what sounds natural to say or write. Mm-hmm. Great. Bianca, how did you find your way into tutoring? So my first semester at Cornell, I took a Spanish class called Spanish for Heritage Speakers mm-hmm. with Mary Kay. And at the end of the course, she recommended that I check out the Learning Strategy Center for the tutoring program, and she recommended me as a tutor. And the main reason that I wanted to do it was through this class, through through the Heritage Speakers class, I was able to engage with other students who are on a very similar level of Spanish speaking as me. Mm -hmm. This is because we all grew up speaking Spanish, but we're still trying to go back to focusing on the traditional grammar. Sometimes when you just speak at home, you lose some of that grammar and It's important to be able to practice it with other students who I think learn at a different level from those who may be new to a language and are learning it in a more traditional sense. So I really found that this class was helpful being able to work with other students who were similar to me, being able to talk to them in Spanish and just feel like feel very comfortable around them practicing a language. And I think Mary Kay did a great job of this. So when she recommended me, I really wanted to check it out and be able to help other students, whether they were also from a Spanish speaking household or new to the language. I really enjoy not only practicing myself, but being able to feel like I can truly have an impact on these students and helping them feel more comfortable in the language. Because I think that's the biggest thing is when you're approaching a new language, a lot of students may be afraid that they don't know what they're doing. They're scared that they're pronouncing things wrong Mm -hmm. and they just need a student who's going to be able to guide them along the way and really have that conversational approach where you're just talking and enforcing these ideas rather than just memorizing or feeling like you're working alone on it. And I think that being able to engage with other students is the biggest thing. Wonderful. I love that we keep hearing the word engagement. I think this is so important, especially given the circumstances that we find ourselves in right now. Um, One of the things that that both of the tutors touched on um, is really fundamental to how the LSE tutors work with students. Um, We want, when students come, the tutors don't like know it all or act like they know it all or act like, um, oh, this is obvious. How come, you know, that, why don't we get this? Um, and so like Ariana was mentioning, um, heritage speakers who've had to struggle a little bit to master some of the grammatical concepts or some, some knowledge that may be tacit that they have to, um, make more explicit in order to truly engage with the language. Um, those tutors who've had to experience that can really understand what the students themselves are going mm-hmm. through. Um, so much of learning involves being really confused, but we're not comfortable with that and we're not taught that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that LSE tutors do an incredible job with is helping students understand that the confusion 
um, is normal. It's where growth is happening and to really make it an acceptable part of, of learning. And I'm super proud of our tutors for the work that they do, helping students feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Last semester, we piloted Japanese at the Language Resource Center and then added Chinese, German, Korean, and Russian under the auspices of the Learning Strategies Center this semester. Broad question, but I'm interested in your feedback. Why are tutoring services important? So I'm actually also a undergraduate language consultant for the International Teaching Assistant Program. And something that I always emphasize with my students in our one-on-one meetings is like, you need to stay engaged in our meetings and outside of our meetings. And offering language tutoring for undergraduates is an opportunity for them to, whether or not they have very specific questions or need help with writing, to just be engaged in the language and get some speaking practice do other kinds of exercises, maybe for comprehension. And it's really important for them to have that in an environment where they can feel comfortable. It's more intimidating, especially in students in newer and uh, newer to the language and, and maybe slightly bigger classes than uh, upper level seminar who are new to Cornell and um, or maybe the professor's office hours are not really conducive to this kind of speaking practice. You know, office hours are more for specific questions about the course or about your writing. So I really like that we're able to give that opportunity to students. I can add on to that. I definitely agree with what Ariana was saying about tutoring being very different than just going to office hours or reaching out to the professor with questions. I also tutor for the Knight Writing Center. So through that, I've also been able to work with students one-on-one, helping them with their writing techniques and also just general structuring of essays, talking about ideas. And through this and both my language tutoring at the Learning Strategy Center, I've seen the importance of students being able to just bounce ideas off of their tutor, talk openly and not feel restricted about whatever they're trying to work on, whether that be improving their language skills or working on an essay. So I think that students may feel that may not feel as comfortable when they're doing this in office hours, but tutoring services really gives them the opportunity to dive into whatever whatever they're working on and um, really feel like they can grow and learn on their own. And I think that obviously office hours are just as equally important, but tutoring services to me present a different opportunity that may be able to help students in a different way. Yeah, and if I if I can add to that too, I think the next tier down then in terms of like formality and closeness to the actual language class are the conversation hours that we offer too. So you have different levels of formality, different focus areas, different opportunities for students to focus on things that are specifically tied to the class, but then also more broadly just, you know, playing around and experimenting with a language in a safe and relaxed and and fun environment with their peers. So I do agree that it's important to give all of these different opportunities for different students. One of the things that we know at the Learning Strategy Center, one of our mottos is successful students ask for help when they need it. And that's not just um, a motto. It's actually based on research that we've done with Cornell students um, in the classes that we support. And one of the things that we found is that students who are, are doing well in the class feel comfortable asking for help. Um, and, and so we need to make sure that everyone knows that um, coming for help, that, like I said, being confused or not understanding something or wanting more practice, that's, that's not 
a sign of weakness. It's actually something that students who are, you know, feeling confident are doing. Um, and we, of course, we want we want to help all students, no matter their comfort level with the material. When you're stuck, um, sometimes stewing is really useful. Um, and sometimes from a time management perspective, um, stewing for a little while is useful. And then going and getting help um, can help move things along, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Jen, you are dedicated to fostering academic resilience and student well-being. What are some tips and tricks you can share with our listeners? One thing that I think is really uh, important is that um, is that students develop a growth mindset. And we, we certainly try to help students understand that learning from failure is a great opportunity. Learning from mistakes is a great opportunity. You know, for, for every student that, that we've seen, you know, take a, a quiz or exam um, that has just been returned to them and like, chuck it. Um, we also, you know, see students who are going through and trying to understand where did they make mistakes? Where, where do they need to learn and grow? How can they reflect on what didn't go well and learn from that? And, and not make the same mistakes over and over again. So one of the things that we that we try to work on is helping students um, develop, well, I don't wanna be jargony, but like metacognition and reflective thinking so that they can learn more about themselves as learners and not just chuck that, um, that quiz that's you know got a bunch of wrong answers, but yeah. really delve into it and see um, were they misreading questions? Did they go into the quiz thinking they knew more than they did? Were there gaps in terms of understanding what the professor was wanting them to focus on? So we try to help students develop um, develop the skill of reflecting. Mm-hmm. Great. Ariana and Bianca, what advice do you have for students who go to language tutoring and to new language tutors? How can both make the most out of the tutoring sessions? Ariana, you can start if you like. Sure. So something that I learned in the tutoring class is that you're supposed to let the student hold the pencil. And that's also really important in language tutoring, even if you're not necessarily using a pencil or writing anything down. But it's really important to to let the student try to see, you know, where they're going wrong, to like lead them in that right direction, instead of just telling them, no, this is the right way to, to say that, or this is the rule for that. So I think that's really important for tutors to keep in mind. And I think students who come in, they should, you know, feel comfortable to bring all of their questions, but I think they should really take advantage just for, for extra practice. Be like, uh, I think, you know, this is something I could improve in. Let's, let's work on that. And I think that new tutors should be flexible and, you know, wanting to work on like a bunch of different things with, with students. Um, yes, I would, I would wish that students like come more for speaking practice. I think that would be really cool. My advice was going to be very similar to Ariana's would be, I would encourage students to come to language tutoring, even if they don't necessarily have a specific question. I know typically in office hours, we're encouraged to show up with our questions rather than to just show up and listen. But I would say it's quite the opposite for language tutoring, that anybody should come and everyone is welcome to just show up and be open to speak the language and talk to the tutors. And I think that this is also a piece of advice for tutors to be ready to just talk to students and help them practice the language and talk to them about their days and do anything that they may be willing to speak about, anything that they can do to practice the language 
without necessarily following a strict format of answering a specific grammar question or vocab or pronunciation question. So I think for both ends, just being open to having a conversation with somebody else and being able to enforce those conversational techniques just through um, an unstructured format rather than feeling like there needs to be a certain question that has to be answered. Mm -hmm. Great. And just to say one more thing on that, I feel like a lot of friends that I've had at Cornell or students that I've met uh, who have taken language classes or in my language classes, they'll say, you know, I've been taking this class, I've been studying this long, and I still feel like I can't really speak. So this is the kind of the best way to to overcome that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I do a lot. I put in a lot of hours outside of my classes, outside of my homework to do language exchanges or tutoring in languages that are not, um, they don't have tutoring at Cornell. And to me, it's really helpful. And uh, that's why I'm so excited to help students do that at Cornell. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Jen, where can our listeners learn more about the services of the Learning Strategy Center? lsc.cornell.edu has a wealth of information both about the services and it, it also, our website also has a number of learning resources itself. Um, whether students are looking for help with time management, um, uh, I feel like we're, we're in exam season now at Cornell, and so this particular season is sponsored by procrastination. Um, we, have a, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, resources for students about how to understand their own procrastination and move forward with it in ways that are helpful for them. Um, so the Learning Strategy Center website, lsc.cornell.edu. We also have a, a YouTube channel that offers um a variety of different study skills videos ranging from learning online, um, using the Cornell note-taking system, which is a well-known note-taking system developed by a Cornell education professor way back in the day. So um, I think the, the Learning Strategy Center website is uh, offers a treasure trove of, of um, both where to access services and also how to learn. Great. lsc.cornell.edu. That's the place to go, people. Before we sign off, we'd like to ask all of you to share your favorite word in a language you speak, love, or are learning. Bianca, how about you get us started? So a word that comes to mind is in Spanish, it's avanza, and it means to advance. And this is a word that my mom has always used growing up for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I think that it's just a word that comes to mind when I think about my childhood growing up speaking Spanish with her. And that is also very applicable to everyday life, which is just to continue advancing. Great. Ariana, what about you? Um, so in like my the dialect that I speak at home, something that my grandmother would say to me, like that I would like this feeling that I feel like we would say Michalo, uh, which is like the feeling of... Uh, being very cozy and being very happy. So she would say that kind of like when she would make my bed when I was very little with fresh sheets. So that's like one of my favorite words because it doesn't, I haven't really like found it in another language. All right, Jen. My Tunisian grandmother, um, whose first language was Ladino, used to call me when I was a child, she used to call me Mialma, um, my soul and I didn't know what that what that meant at the time um, and when once I learned the translation it, it made me realize um, just how important um, 
how connected I, I felt to her. And um, it wasn't until after she had died that I learned what what Nielma meant and that she was calling me that. And, um, and I felt very connected to her and um, was very grateful to have her and uh, in my life. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today, Jen, Ariana, and Bianca. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Next week, Leanne Spino and Karen De Bruin from the University of Rhode Island will join us to talk about the URI Language Proficiency Initiative and the impact of proficiency on employability. Until then... Auf Wiedersehen! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.